All right, we are back, baby. We are back, baby. What do we got? What do we got? Episode twelve right now. Episode twelve. Dale ain't seen you in a minute, buddy. I know you're making me want to just fly right over, but now that I got you inside my brain, unlimited responsive knowledge. This is gonna be interesting. (laughs) You just got done saying, Dale, how great would it be if I was just inside your brain all the time? The decision-making factor would be insane. You know what? Petter was telling me that he read somewhere that I think I heard it recently too, that like 70% of people don't have an internal dialogue going on in their head. Can what? that be real? Hmm. We need a Google That's, guy. Okay. That would explain a lot, but also it seems crazy to me that that could be possible. But when you see the faces, you know what I mean? Walking down the aisles, hmm. you're like, this might, there might not be nothing going on in there. Wow, that's kind of scary to think about. Think about me just running around. Well, then we were talking. We were like, we got to talk to Dale about that. Does he have something going on in there? Or is he just full Eckhart Tolle? Just (laughs) present moment. (laughs) That's all you'd hear is feedback. It's just ringing. Constant ringing. Well, Dale, (laughs) since since we have you here, Dale, uh, let me ask you, what is it like inside of your head? Like, if you have... If you roll up on, let's say you're walking through the grocery store, you're trying to figure out what to buy that day. Are you talking to yourself? Are you talking yourself through it or are you just cruising? Uh, I'm talking, I'm thinking about the, the snowboarding, what I got to do over here, my clothing, e- emails, but it, nothing lasts for longer than like five seconds. It's just a constant bounce around. Have you ever practiced meditation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's run us through a Dale experience in meditation last night in the steam shower. I got a solid three seconds in. Okay. <laughs> just like a nice breathing, you know, that's really all Does it is. That's yeah, just the, the breathing. That's all I can do. But, I uh, feel like the ice baths are a form of, Oh, you're forcing meditation on yourself. I mean, you can, you, you can freak out and just the whole time never hit it. Yeah. But when you get a good ice bath and you're doing a proper mm-hmm. guaranteed meditation, that's one of the things I like the most about it, for sure. I, I felt that meditation when I got inside the ice bath. I felt it. Yeah, it's, I, it, especially in my household, things can just get hectic. And like my job can get hectic. My household can get hectic. Like if I'm in there, it's going to be quiet. It's just going to be my brain's going to be quiet. It's quiet outside. I live like the road is near my house. So I hear cars go by, but it's like I'm hearing them, but I'm not listening to them. For the most part, it's just quiet. Yep. Well, then you're not, you're trying to get your mind out of the fact that you're torturing yourself. So you're trying to get out of your body, but like to focus on everything all at once or like anything other than what you're actually doing. So you're take, take your brain away from taking how it you away are. from what's going on. And yeah. I feel like you really can only be focusing or thinking about one thing. So if you're breathing or not thinking, you know, then you can't be cold. You're not experiencing the cold because you're not experiencing the thought of cold. Even if it's just for a moment and you're lying to yourself, it feels good. Mm-hmm. That's why I was looking at the little drip at the ceiling, acting like I was just focusing on one thing, but like not really focusing on anything. Yeah. <laughs> Jamal, I think we should, um, I have a, a Patreon comment here, kind of question thing that I want to jump into and just also shout out to all the Patreon members who support. Um, but this one's very relatable to Jamal. It's from Wayne. He said, here's the scenario new to Vermont and have the entire season to ride besides Woodward half pipe at K town. What would you do? Any bad spots? 
Uh, we can swear on this, huh? Any badass spots, must rides, or places that you wish you had the chance to session? Love what you do. Get better soon. Let's go shred when you guys get back here. So Jamal, being fresh into, I mean, you've lived in Vermont before, but you're fresh, fresh take on it now. You're living there. What do we got? Okay. First of all, sh- shout out to the Patreon members. Shout out to Wayne. Second of all, if we could not swear on here, this would never fucking last. there's no there's no way that i would be able to do multiple hour plus long episodes without cursing it would never happen yeah you gotta this is the passion project yeah um so wayne is wayne is asking places not to go basically is that what i got out of no no he's he's new to vermont he's got the whole season to ride there's obviously woodward but what would you do any badass spots any any must ride places that you wish you had the chance to session what's going down in vt um Killington must go places. You have to go to J peak. Like you got to take a drive to J peak on a pow day because it's the closest thing you're going to get to riding out West on the East coast. Yep. And Jay's got Utah, Japan style powder. Yeah. Big cliffs. It's got open trees. Cause that's the thing about Vermont compared to out West. Like a lot of guys are like diehard tree riders out here. And for me, I'm like, it's tough for me to get into it. Cause they're so tight. There's a lot of down, down brush and stuff, which like, it's very technical. So if you get good at riding in that, you can crush it in open trees. Yep. But for me, like it's not as enjoyable. But that being said, if you go up to Jay, you can definitely get some really sick tree riding, like open glades. You can get real cliff drops and uh, super good pow. I would also say like there's tons of small places in Vermont. Like, like I live really close to uh, Magic Mountain. Magic has now has a park with a tow rope, which is sick. Um, they have a park with a tow rope and lights that you can ride at night. What tow rope? Ma- at Magic Mountain. I think it is a tow pro. Is it? I'm, I'm not positive. I don't actually, I'm not positive on that. I we'll hope it's a tow pro. It. We'll go with it for the sake. It's a tow pro. Yeah. Shout out Will Mayo and tow pro lifts. Cause I, ho- I hope it is a tow pro. He is changing the game with that. He changed so the game. Yeah. Straight up. Unreal. Um, One day that's going to end up in the backyard. We're going to need a backyard tow rope. Backyard tow rope. Yep. And also, JP, you take the wrong way and you'll end up in Canada. (laughs) Yeah, literally. I was talking about recently growing up, we used to have an annual trip that would go to JP and my homie Derek Grunman would have uh, kind of prep it in the summer, splitting wood and stuff at this cabin, but we would show up, park on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and load all our gear onto sleds and pull the sleds a mile through waist deep pow out to this cabin a mile in the woods and start a fire up. No electricity, no nothing, just kerosene lanterns. I mean, back then, 30, 30 packs, couple guard games, Nagel, Bertrand. Awesome. It was an absolute vibe and we would wake up and it was like $55 tickets. It's like the OG, one of those OG places that's like, it might've gotten expensive now, but it's still cheaper than anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cool places to stay up there too. Like there's a lot, a few different hostel type vibes where you can rent a room with, and there's somewhere with a shared kitchen. I think one of them is like Papa Grunts or I forget, I forget the actual name out of it. It's Papa something. But my kids go stay there with their dad, and uh, it looks they super fun. They got a fun. water There's, park with a wave pool. Yeah, and they have an indoor water park at JP. With one of the little wave pools. Craziest rider. thing I've ever seen at a ski resort. <sighs> what um, else, Jamal? What else have we got in VT? One. Yeah, for, for that. Park. and Well, he said he said besides Woodward, oh, Half Pipe, K-Town. Okay, he's already in there. He's on that. That's where he's at. Um, That's where he's other at. Other than that, 
like I said, I would just go checking out every small spot, like just start looking up ski resorts in Vermont and just go check them out. Like places like magic, magic is still very cheap. Like you were saying, Jay used to be, it's like, just go explore all these little nooks in Vermont and just, just check them out. There's some good, like mellow hikes that you can do to get some fresh turns out there. I was always thinking, imagine going like West coast style, big dog, Colorado snowmobile action, but on the East coast, Cause it's like, you don't really have to worry about Abbey danger. There's so many just like not really too scary steep pitches, but like that so many people wouldn't be on open. Like, like it could be a dream over there to have a sled. No one really does that. Yeah. I know a couple guys out here that are on that type of mission, but it's like just them. Like, and it's sometimes not it's very just popular. the snowmobiling, just the sport of it. They're just going to prop. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be super cool. I would actually like to do that, but to get back to Wayne, like, like I said, check out the small spots and um, don't be afraid to go further north when it's snowing. You know, like Mount Snow, even Killington is going to have more snow than where I'm at next to Mount Snow and Stratton. The further north you get, you're probably going to have more snow. Just don't be afraid to explore. And um, I mean, that's really all there is to it. You know, get in the streets, build some spots. They got insane urban over there. Backyard stoke laps. Backyard stoke laps. And we should almost give a shout out to what will hopefully be in the future with Nicholas's backyard. Might get one of those toe pro ropes in the backyard and he's trying to build a legendary compound. And wow. Athlete Studio is also supporting and sponsoring this podcast. Give give a breakdown on what that is, Jamal, because that might be yeah, hard so for me to explain. We hooked up with our boy, Nicholas Lemieux. Uh, he is the CEO of Athlete Studio. He runs your merch, correct? Yes, website. Yeah, he runs your merch and website, and he does that for lots of other athletes. He works with a ton of big dogs. Um, He works with a lot of NFL players, a lot of UFC fighters, uh, guys in the quote-unquote conventional sports world, and he works on building them a brand, essentially, and he's been helpful enough to work with us and work with C-Dub and we're going to be doing a lot with him in the future. I don't want to give too much of it away until we get some of it dialed in, but we can get some really great guests through the connections with Nick. And uh, I think it'll be really cool to get some guests on here, even if they're not on for the whole episode, uh, just have them pop in for a minute and be able to get guests on here where we can ask them questions that relate to what they do and then see how what they prepare, how they prepare for their sport, how they train, how they live their life in general. We can apply it to our lives and to our sports. It's like, it's like cross training, but it's more like a little cross braining. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. And I love every aspect about like the hard work that goes into that. And I'm so respectable of it, but I don't have the time to pay attention to it all. And I feel like they have the exact same thing, but swapped out it's in their contract. They're not allowed to shred, but like they're absolutely shredding on the field. And so like our, we're both at mindsets of just working super hard and trying to get stuff done and just don't really know the other side of things. So it'd be funny to see like snowboard takes from a NFL star. And then as you've seen, people were loving me, my takes on trying to even name NFL stars. Dude, that, that was received just as well as I thought it would be because I have been doing that with C-Dub for years. There was a I good one right before we started. That's why we need to start rolling. Yeah. Was, wasn't there a good one right before we so clicked record? Dale, Dale played, a, was singing a song. Dale was singing, 
My girl likes to party to all the time. Party all the time. Party, party all, the all the time. <laughs> so I go, I go Dale. Song. I love that music video. I, who is it? So I asked Dale who sings a song. He gives me the immediate answer. He knows. He's like, that's Eddie Murphy. You know? And uh, C-Dub is like, Eddie Murphy, the actor? One, I was shocked that you even knew who Eddie Murphy was. Legend. But then Im- immediately <laughs> goes back to C-Dub mode. Because I was shocked that he knew who Eddie Murphy was. And he goes, Eddie Murphy? Like from Bad Boys? I'm like, he, he is not in Bad Boys. Now, do you know who the two main characters of Bad Boys are? Who the two actors are? Will Smith. Yes. And that dude that's always so just... Not Chris Rock. He's like so butthurt. Don't. He's always like, you know what I mean? He's like, the world's always messing him up. He's just like... it's uh, Yeah, another famous stand... They're all stand-up comedians at one point in their life but he was a famous stand-up comedian and then he had his own sitcom for years and years on like network television which was just that the sitcom was just his first name i know the face i can hear him whining about something wrong that's going on damien (laughs) give us a letter (laughs) m Mm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so the sitcom that he had michael say that again (laughs) marlon Marlon Wayne? So uh, Marlon. you were you you were close for a second and then no, you're not. It's Ma- Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Oh yeah, yeah, he's that great. Nice. Yes. Never would have guessed. Yeah. He had a sitcom called Martin. It was just his first name, Martin. That's funny. We need to get we need to get do you got one of those lined up for Dale right now? Or or myself? Nope. Um this one I had one that I wrote down, but I was like, I wonder if this would be almost too easy. But then I'm I'm curious. This will set the barometer for where it goes from here. Can you just straight up name five NBA teams? NBA t- basketball? Me or Dale? Dale should be able to. Let me, let up, let me do it then. The Knicks. Yeah. Okay. So the Heat. That's Where the Heat play? Miami. Okay. All right. That, was, all right. that was good. Uh, the Bulls. Chicago. Which is where? Let's give let's give cities and names. Chicago, Illinois. Is yes, it, okay. yes, correct. So he's in it. I like that. What was the first one that I said? You Knicks. said the Knicks first. Ooh. That's easy. That's like an orange ball with like a flame coming off it, isn't it? You don't know where they play? The New York Knicks? Oh, correct. Yeah. See how the tongue just does stuff? Yeah. It's like when you can sing the lyrics of a song while it's playing, but as soon as it stops, you're it's like, over. What? it's over. <laughs> All right, that's three. <laughs> this, is, this is easy. Just get, uh, <laughs> is it though? Is it that easy? I feel like ooh, you got Boston U- Celtics. Uh, yes, and you got Utah for sure. The <laughs> isn't there an O? There's like an Oregon one, or is that soccer? Or that's hockey? That's football. That's football. Um, what are we at? Third four. He's up to four. Oh, the L.A. Lakers. Oh, there you go. I've been I at the gym that too named. often, and they're always on the. You know what I'm saying? They're always playing the stuff, so I see it. It is treadmill. funny that you you literally named like the five most popular franchises in the NBA that like everybody would know. <laughs> if you said six, I'd probably didn't be. even say the Golden Gate Warriors. And that's the first well, time I heard of them. Golden State, but yeah, Golden you're right. State, yeah, that's the first time I heard of them. Who's Utah? Jazz. Oh no. Okay, so that all right, that's We're it. In Park City. Now we know that C Dub does know some things about the NBA. Who does? Can you name? Wait, can you name five current players? 
This is where it gets risky. There's one that you have to know right off the top of your head. Steph Curry. Yep. Wow. So other people so, would have said somebody else, but yes. I'm so glad you said him first. <laughs> uh, LeBron James. <laughs> Correct. I feel like these are Here's Dwayne, where it gets tough. There's like a Dwayne Michael, right? It has to be. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. That's The Rock. So, My guy. So, so no. <laughs> he could ball. And uh, it, the guy you're thinking of, Dwayne, is retired. So let's keep him out of it anyway. What do we got? Two? Two. I'm just picturing. Drained it. <laughs> Three more. Who, who drained Three more. it? Um, I'm, I'm out of that. I'm not even going to say I already got it. You're good at that, huh? Yeah, All I can't right. do it. Right here. Ready? <laughs> Two. That, that's kind of bad. Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Larry Bird retired in like 1985 yeah, or something. Yeah, but he's <laughs> still there. You know what I mean? Like he's around. He game. owns. He's a legend. He's, he's a, within. The he's game. an owner. Um, yeah, he owns. One, he owns a team. Uh, the knee guy, Capistrano, Capperton, Kevin Capperton, Kaepernick, Kaepernick. Bro. Bro. <laughs> yeah, Kevin he's a Cap football player. <laughs> The entire knee scenario happened in the NFL. <laughs> All right. We're getting close. Sp sports. Um, yeah. You got the Kevin one for sure, right? Kevin Durant. There yep. You go. Boom. Three? Yeah. All right. Two more. Winstead? Winbrook? Russell Winbrooks? So close. Winstead? Russell Winston. So we talked Russell, about it on the last podcast. Russell Wine Book. <laughs> Wine Book. <laughs> what about Draymond Taylor? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> no, that it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Draymond Taylor. This is like when you're in the, the they do the cards, the ink blots. All yeah, right, yeah, give me some uh, first names. Test. Let me just knock out the last names. Throw them. Go. Okay. Uh, let's say Damien Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Hard. No, well, I'll try to give you some easy ones. Um, let's see. I guess some, Oh, Kyrie Brooks. <laughs> no, uh, I'm trying to give you some real, real layups here. Who's um, the guy with the TikTok brother? He's Mahomes. also an NFL player. Okay. See, I'm I'm no, just picking the blank. NFL. Yeah, you're a huge football guy. Huge football guy. All right. Um, oh, Steph Curry's uh, the guy that's next to him. His A one. His sidekick. Clay is his Clay. first name. Clay Atkins. <laughs> you're thinking of Clay Aiken from American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Maybe. I think that oh, I think man. I failed this one. Clay Thompson. Yeah, I think, I think this is out. a fail. I don't want to spend spend too much time on it. I wanted to just gauge you and see where you're at. Now we know. You where were the trying bar is. to think yeah, you were trying to think earlier of Russell Westbrook is what where you were trying to go. Yeah. Winstead, I was saying. Winstead. You said Winebrook at one point, but um Yeah, so all right. Now we know where you're at. We're gonna make one of those for every episode. I'll I'll think of some even better ones to keep coming in the in the future episodes. 
drop some comments. Oh. Let's see, let's let's hear what the people we would like to hear. Yeah, take it to, to the hear. snowboard industry in one of these times. Yeah, that, that he was having a hard. He didn't know who Scotty Arnold was the other day. I mean, we're really? getting there. There's a <laughs> lot. This is what I mean. Like, there's there's a snowboarding industry that like you have to learn. So it's like if you can't yeah. even learn that, how are you going to learn another industry that you're not even watching the sports of? In in all fairness, too, it's like if you're focused on actually snowboarding, some people don't have all the time in the world to be focused on who else is snowboarding. You're still just snowboarding. And you might have even seen it. You, the, some stuff you'll be following someone. You'll be like, oh, that dude. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we've never met. And I have like a more of a personal memory where like if I meet someone, I'll never forget them. And when um, you're even we're on the Narvi tour and we go to Illinois or Ohio, I'll remember like kids from there because we met stuff like that. But then someone super famous for some reason doesn't really register. On the snowboarding tip, I had something that I wanted to ask you guys about. I saw either. I mean, I guess it was probably on TikTok originally. I saw a reel that. A guy was trying to explain what constituted being a, what he called an expert level snowboarder. He said to be an expert level snowboarder, basically, he was like, you had to be able to charge the whole mountain. You had to be able to ride black diamonds from green to black diamond. You had to be able to ride fast through moguls. Um, He said that you needed to be able to ride park, but that you basically didn't need to have like 720s on jumps you had to just be like smooth in the park be able to hit jumps he he broke he broke gave this whole breakdown and by the end of watching it i was like basically what i thought is that he had described what i would call an advanced snowboarder not an expert snowboarder you know so i was wondering for for you guys what are the levels like how many are there and what do you think what do you think constitutes each level like if it's novice beginner intermediate, advanced, expert, like what makes you each one of those things? Such a beautiful question because there's so many variables. I feel like we got to let Dale go in on this because he's the perfect example of like just a full-on ripper that doesn't comprehend each 90 degree angle of things and doesn't like, you know, have 270 out this, you know, like specifically like a park rider, but then a park rider might not be able to just go and rip the mountain like Dale can and so he has like no opinion no bias no nothing so let's hear let's hear it what do you got and it's um i don't know that's my whole thing with snowboard i don't take it to the park i'm not doing 720s i'm not hitting the big jumps i stay clear from the rails but i love hitting moguls and double diamonds so and I don't, it's hard to re- compare advanced versus expert that's a good question advanced is a little lower than than expert experts would be right before pro right really right before the paper signing i feel like yeah but there's also yeah. some pros who are they are the big backcountry guys that have been in the backcountry for the past 25 years. Are they putting sevens down? Maybe like probably growing up and are able to, but like that might be where the limit is of like you have to have done a 720 if you're going to be one of the biggest dogs in another area and and call yourself an expert. Yeah, because um, there's a you could ride advanced runs and be an advanced rider, but you could take those advanced runs and just do charge them and be as an expert. Ollie at the highest speed. So and let's say an advanced control. rider could hit all the hit that go over the entire mountain. But now if you're charging it, yeah, I, yeah, I would say advanced it, rider, then that brings it to the expert level. I think. Yeah, an advanced rider is able to do basically everything up to 720 in the park and also still do, you know, some hikes and backcountry riding, all that type of stuff. But the expert has no real limit of like, is this possible? Like they'll, they'll do a trick in the situation where the advanced rider maybe would have only ridden yep. it 
you know, like hitting a backcountry jump versus I like that export is is launching yeah because like even jumps. hitting like, it with no I've gone snowboarding hitting... sorry I've gone snowboarding a lot of times with people who I consider either uh be like beginner riders not novice like but they're still a beginner and they'll look at me and they're like dude you're you're ripping like you're you're they basically think I'm on expert level I consider myself an intermediate snowboarder even before advanced. Yeah. I consider myself in intermediate because one, I don't do sevens. I don't do, I think I've done a 540 like two times in my whole life. You know, um, I can ride. I do pride myself in that. I think I can go just about anywhere and ride just about any terrain. But like you were saying, like I might come up on a wind lip at squaw and I'm charging at it, but I'm just going to hit it where somebody might at the split second decision, if they're an advanced or an expert rider, they're going to see that thing and just boom, pop back three and pop a 40 foot back three out of nowhere, stomp it, ride clean into the next hit Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I see that thing coming up and I'm ready for it, but I'm just going to hit it. I'll probably do a grab, maybe a 180, depending on if I'm feeling good that day, you know, next run once it's read it out and you know what it looks like. And there's, you know, exactly. You know, so I think that's the, the major difference is like, your ability to to adapt to the terrain at like a, a moment's notice is advanced and expert riders can do that very, very easily. The ability and to adapt think, to terrain at a moment's notice. That's a great one. You know, I think that, and I think expert riders also have supreme board control, you know, like, like crowbar crowbar has excellent board control. Like his oh, edge gosh. control is so good. You know, yep. and I feel like that's what really makes a separation because uh, with that and ri- and being able to ride switch as well, because Crowbar is never afraid to try a certain trick. He's never afraid of how he lands. No matter how he lands, he's confident that he can land on his toes. He can land on his heels. He can land switch. He can land regular. He can land the back seat, front seat. Doesn't matter. Yep. He feels like he can ride away. Love riding. Myself included. I've seen Crow throw a double and stop and only do a single. Yep. Whip with the initiation of two flips on a specific jump and somehow knowledgeable off the takeoff to stop, open up and hold back with everything you can pause the rotation, become air resistant and slow down, over rotate tail, heavy back, butt, boom enough to, so that you feel good. You're not even sore. You go back up, you do it again. Woo. That's scary. I can't imagine that. So many times, so many times I could bring up, so many clips of chucking for dub and immediately knowing you missed the pop. Oh, and you just turn into a starfish and you float 80% of the, of the first <laughs> one around until you just land and you're like, woo. I know right, exactly what clip you're referencing right now. The one of you in the red candy grind jacket on the at step Mount up Snow, on the in step Gulch up. at Mount Snow. That was one Because you them. literally went to chuck dub and just starfish completely and just stopped. Like we watched the footage back and we were playing like play by play, frame by frame. And you just stopped your entire body in midair. Yep. And I have another image from Utah where I, with Nate following me at Woodward Park City and I threw back dub and ended up stopping it completely and just landed back seven riding away. Yeah, that's wild. But Dale, you get frothed up when you start putting down new tricks. Do like a little couple tricks here and there. A little back one, back three. Last uh, Narvi tour is when you started learning like full 50-50, pop back three, back blunt 270 perfectly, the blunt switch up early, which was sick. You got better than me. 
Um, yeah, you're like, how did he do that? The crippler. I, like, I don't know. He started throwing proper underflip cripplers in the pipe. And you were like, you were Jones. That was fun. That was like headphones in, Dale sweating, head down, like lower stoke well, levels. That's more riding with people that are pushing you. You see someone else do something in front of you and you're like, okay. T-Cap started chucking the McTwist. The T-Cap does a McTwist. I'm doing a McTwist. Oh, yeah. The Mc, the McTcap. Yeah, the <laughs> McDibbles. does feel good to switch up, but on a, when you slowly, you know, you ride for 50 days that year and you see people doing things and you can switch it slowly, start trying new tricks. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I have a lot of tricks that are very attainable for me that I just haven't done. And it's a lot of it is having the right people to ride with. Having right the right people to train, ride with and them the being right in front of you doing tricks. And conditions. Yeah. And then a lot of it too is like and Stoke levels. Wanting it. Stoke level. And what if I thought about doing this for the pod too, because first of all, springtime at Mount Snow is rapidly approaching and at 32 years old, I am a fair weather rider. Like I just want to ride park when it's warm outside and I don't have to wear a jacket or yeah. goggles, you know? Well, let's, let's talk real quick about learning one of those tricks and how you get over the barrier of say, never having gone upside down and doing a backflip. There's zero. And then there's one, there's no 0.5 backflip. So what did it take for you? A, intermediate rider intermediate to learn that because you have backflips and you have them once a year when the time is right. Like you said, I don't know if I, I don't know if I even did one last year. I don't know if I did last year. Last year was last year was head down set up where you are. Big transition period. Um, yeah. So backflips for me were, it was a big mental block. Like I wanted to be able to do them so bad because I just think of it as like, a, it's a party trick. Like it just Real looks quick, fun. Do you have standing backflips? Do you have cliff backflips from 10 foot to 20 foot? 20 foot. Do you, do you have anything like that? Trampoline? Back I have, flips? I have trampoline backflips that are okay. They get around. Um, my cliff <laughs> backflips, I have cliff gainers, but I, I can, and I can do a cliff backflip, but they're ugly. Um, okay. but I do have cliff gainers. Those, I got, so I got you clips have eyes open, experienced that before. So going into that, I, that's why I wanted to kind of touch on that is important. I like that. That's a good thing to understand before someone sends it on a snowboard. So yeah, that's continue definitely following important. us through the process. Where were we? Um, so it was a big mental block, like I said, and it was a party trick that I always wanted to learn. And I think it was almost like a, an inferiority complex. Like I didn't think I was good enough at snowboarding to do it, even though it's literally easier than doing a good frontside 360, you know? Oh yeah. And you go there on any Saturday or Sunday myself. on the weekend and you'll see people chuck in backflips that shouldn't be doing backflips. And you're like, I'm better oh. than that guy. And he's got backies. It's a power trick. It's a crowd pleaser. It's just the freaking, some people commit and do it and then they have it. Yeah. And that was messing me up even more. Like seeing people that were definitely not at my level of riding doing them was psyching me out even more. It was bothering me so much, you know, and that's all ego. There's no doubt about it. That's 100% ego, but sometimes you need ego because then it's going to drive you to learn the trick. You can't help but wonder if those people have self-talk going on or if they just sent it. You don't even know how to connect (laughs) your turns and you're doing a backflip. You know what I mean? Maybe there's no self-talk. Jamal's got a lot of self-talk when I'm like, brother, here's the outcome. Here's the potential outcomes. The other people are just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, Because just like an idling engine. (laughs) 
<laughs> just a head bob. <laughs> Action sports in general for me, for my whole life, I've felt like I am so aware of all of the things that could go wrong that I would talk myself out of things because I have so much That's self-talk good. that I'm like, dude, if you come off and you catch this edge, I know exactly what's going to happen. And then I would play a mental image in my head over and over again of that happening. And then it would psych me out. Oh, and you have to you have oh. to break that out. It's so brutal, yeah, dude. You can't do that. But that's the same with me, bro. Do you have that? Jill? It's so brutal. Yeah, I, I talk myself through all that stuff. I wait till the conditions are right. The stoke levels are right. And then I know I can. if I know I'm going to get around and stomp something, I'll send it. But I got a lot going on in my head before I get to that moment. I've seen it. We were together at Woodward when I first did a backflip. And for I remember those clips. A, f- a few weeks before that, like we were at Bear like the week before and you were trying to psych there. me up to. No, I did it at Woodward, but we were at Bear the week before and C-Dub was trying to psych me up to throw one on a park jump there. And I kept just like rolling in like you're doing it. You're doing it. And I would get 10 feet from the lip and just be like, oh, back 180. You know, at Woodward or Bear? <laughs> that was at Bear, at Bear the week before we went to Woodward. So then we go to Woodward after I didn't do any at Bear. And I'm like you know what I had, I was going through a pretty interesting time in my life. I had a lot going on and it was almost like I needed something to focus on. And I was like, I'm doing a backflip this week at Woodward. Like it is, it is happening. So that's a huge step deciding like this is happening. Whether I get broke off, whatever happens, I'm doing this this week. It's, and I'm it's doing it down. to 100% of my ability. Yeah. Is the most critical thing. So did you go in indoors first? I did go indoors. I went to, we were at Woodward. Oh. I did a few into the, into the foam pit. And the, On the first one boards. that I, yeah, the first one I did into the foam pit. Have you seen the clip of the kid knocking himself out, trying to backflip the backcountry jump? Ryan? Ryan knocked himself out indoor at Woodward a month oh, ago. Oh, so there's a, a video that's going viral right now of a kid doing that outdoors. But I almost did that the first one I did at Woodward. I popped so early I that I almost smacked that. my head. We got to say something about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Almost need a For main. anyone that's trying to learn to flip. Pop, pop up. Then flip. Yeah. You want both your feet while you're crouched athletic mm-hmm. stance to go up and straight almost after you're off the jump. You don't want to be using the quarter pipe as part of your flip. When yep. you pop, you are go- popping yep. straight Boom. up. And then from that pop, you throw the head back afterwards. But it's an up and then a flip. People will just dip their body backwards and into the lip and you clip head. Clipping your dome piece on the, the takeoff. Our buddy did that. De- dead sailor knocked out in the air. So scary. But that's usually yeah, that's when terrifying. you're trying. Mostly when you're Had trying a, a double, too. that will happen. Yeah, when you're really trying to whip it early, that'll happen even but, to a good rider. So that almost happened to Jamal. And then we were there, kind of coached him through it. Yeah. And then that step of coaching me through it, you guys being one terrified, you were like, yo, you don't even know how bad you almost just hurt yourself. So then that actually helped me a lot because I was like, I was like, oh my God, I can't get hurt that way. Like if I'm going to get hurt, I'd rather. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even send it. Took the easy route. Got wrecked. Never tried Two ways to get hurt in a foam pit. And that's one of them. Yep. Out of the foam pit or into the ramp. Yep. So then after that, you guys told me like, you got to just jump and then get your rotation going. You got to be up. So then the next one that I did after that, perfect. I had, I committed fully to going up before I rotated, opened my eyes, sunk my back of my head into the middle of my shoulders and I could just see everything. 
Look and then the I was landing. like, oh look my for gosh. The landing. Look for the landing. Yeah. Those eyes have to stay open. You got to go straight back, zero degree angle mm. over your head so that when you pop and then you throw, your eyes see the landing and now you can adjust with your core how much time you have remaining, whether you need to kind of pull it around fast or just super float it to your bolts. Yeah. And then after that, I probably did 10 more of them, maybe 15 of them. Just I kept just doing them over and over again until that muscle memory was there. Um, Tanner Hall was there that day and Tanner was on the roller skis and Tanner was telling me, he's like, yeah, Tanner's such a G dude. Love that Um, guy. And Tanner was up there. He's like, yo, he's like, you just lace that. That's perfect. He's like, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it until they close tonight. He's like, just keep doing it and then go out tomorrow and just do it on snow, you know? So that's exactly what I did. Like kept doing them all night that night. The next day, um, CW, you got up, either got up, you had editing to do or something like that. So I went up to the hill. It was me, Nate Houst, and Johnny Hancheck. Johnny Hancheck filmed the first one because I had been thinking about it all day. I'm like, okay, today is definitely the day. I did him on the rollerboard. Today is definitely the day. There was a nice mellow jump at the bottom that was like, the gap is five feet, but it's got a decent sized landing, good pop. It was like one of those whale tails where you have the room to do a little 180 in before if you want. And then it whale tails up into the jump. Yeah, oh, that's um, perfect. That's yeah. So I told Johnny to, to film it and uh, I did stop right at the top and put on KOG. Like you got, if you're getting locked in, if you decide you're doing something that day, pick your lock in music and just put it on full blast. You know, you don't need to talk to anybody after that. Nothing. Just blast it. Blast some KOG. I think it was lion's mouth to be specific. That was KOG ground culture days. Yeah. Um, wow. Stoke levels just right. Raising up. Yeah. And getting ready down. to drop hand jacks on the cam. Jamal's dropping switch pops to regular. Oh. The first one I did, I over rotated just a little bit. Cause I was trying so hard to get it around. You want you know? to get it around. Good. Get it around. Yeah. So I over rotate a little bit, landed on my tail and washed out. And I was like, next run, it's going down. That's it. We're good. Like I had gotten over the hump, you know? And then the next one that I did, I first one out of the way. Yeah. The next one I did laced it bolts, you know? And then I showed up, you were all frothed up, never said a word, hopped on the lift, talking like it's another day in the park, we're cruising through, he's all, yo, 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 get get me on this, get get me on this one, I'm like, this guy's frothed up, right, I was like, yeah, get me on this run, and busted it out out of nowhere, just boom, and then did the same thing to me at Bear the next year, where he films me for a run, next run, I'm cruising, following him, and he just, boom, busts it out, nails it again, he's just (laughs) So good, so good. And then I think you ended up catching toe edge on the next one. Yeah, yeah, I, did. <laughs> I saw so that in the blog. Full Mike Green on him, dude, with the nose. I got right so played. The... That's Yo, good. the one at Bear though, the one at Bear, I will say this is before I wore a helmet too. Um, but the one at Bear, I did land with a bucket hat on and the bucket hat stayed on. That's I thought that insane. was great. I was hyped on that. Yeah, that's that's great. I watched that vlog recently, and I was like, Jamal's got flips like that. Mm-hmm. It blew me. And then I realized it was only you've only done it a handful of times at that point. Just get shows up, gets it done, and gets out of there. Yeah, I mean that first day that I learned him at Woodward, I probably did fifteen backflips that day. So pretty much to break down the backflip routine, you if you have the ability to go to a place where you can learn it into foam or something like that, do that. 
even before that, having air awareness of having done a backflip in any scenario helps. Remembering, even going to a YouTube video, you know, we do tutorials all the time, watching somebody who knows how to do it and taking their tips because potentially that will give you the tip to pop up more, throw your head back on that zero degree so that you don't deal with maybe hitting your head or having something go wrong when you're just trying it on your own, popping straight up, dialing that in if you're into some type of foam or airbag or anything like that as many times as you can over and over and over again until it's muscle memory, sleep on it, go to the park the next day, make sure the conditions are proper, either a pow day or a slushy day, find a jump that's nice and poppy, have a camera, have your stoke levels up, have KOG blasting and a hundred percent commit with everything you got. Like you're going to ride away, envision yourself having put it down and stomped it, open your eyes up. And I just love saying, and then do it again. It's your second one that you're about to go stomp. Yep. And let me also just note, like on the KOG note, you got to have your hype up music. And then there's got to be something that's like each like KOG I needed to literally get hyped up. But there has to be like, everybody has different music tastes. There's different genres of music that'll put you in a totally different headspace. Like if I'm trying to film a top to bottom of just like my type of snowboarding, which is like pretty mellow, low impact, but I'm trying to throw some swag on it. I will put on Young Jeezy, Thug Motivation 101 off the rip. Because yeah, it's just, you, you gotta have those different, those different types of vibes, you know? Yeah, when you're trying to hit a gigantic jump and you're tripping, you don't know how fast to go, but you know that you're going to go faster than you know that you need to go because the thug zone's better than casing it. That's when you throw KOG on and you just, you hit a jump Straight at an uncomfortable up. speed, but you know that you have it. You're going through just a warm up park lap. You probably, you know, what I mean? <laughs> 20 foot, yeah. 30 foot jumps. You know, you probably don't want the heaviest metal that you have going on. Verde, I have a clip of him when I was leaving Mount Hood one time where he put on some new track probably KOG and he was trying to do back 10 and I have a shot of him going back 12 out of frame back 14 still spinning <laughs> over the and it was like from a straight adjacent angle and you just saw the landing disappear and his body still going and he called me and was like bro almost went 16 like put on that new KOG track and dude it was just the worst idea <laughs> ever <laughs> like, yo, yeah sometimes you, you gotta, gotta tone it down bud <laughs> yeah. right, you wanna get around <laughs> You got KOGs coming near you soon, right? Uh, they're coming to Worcester, Mass soon at the Palladium, I believe. Um, Dude, they see what the date is on that. Are... That's pretty soon. We already seen them in Sacramento and then seen them in Salt Lake now. And then they were just gone. They nuked so fast. The Narvi yeah, takes like three those days. Those boys are getting one after day. it. After it, bro. I don't know how they do it. Um, I'm not sure what day their show at the Palladium is. I mean, you can go to their site if you're interested, if you're in New England, if you're anywhere in the country. Okay, right here. They are March 11th at the Palladium in Worcester, Massachusetts. But you can go to KOG's Instagram at Kingdom of Giants, peep their whole tour schedule because they are just shredding across the country right now. And go link up. Say what up to D-Dub. Meet up with the boys. 25 places. Say what up to D-Dub and show up and hit them with one of these. Yeah, nice. Nice. I was waiting for that. Oh, you just busted it out the woodworks. That was good. Wow, right there. Yes, real quick, have we have we touched on the the weather over there? Was that thing that Rocky posted of the acid rain real? Rocky, Did you too tall, Rocky. That, yeah. Uh, I have not had any acid rain experiences at my house. Um, it did rain shortly oh after that. After that chemical spill, it did rain here. There was a storm coming across. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary, but I also, I guess I wasn't really looking for it. I wasn't going out to 
fresh yeah, rivers and seeing how they were some doing clips that he was sharing of like it looked like a like a washing machine that you put dish soap in that just flooding out over the ground with soap spuds and like looked like mashed potatoes falling out of the sky just like and it was like cream corn stuff and then when it stopped his entire car was covered in white residue flaking off powder residue it was i didn't so i didn't see that i'll have to go look at it but i didn't experience that personally um, I've had so much going on that could have happened right in front of me and I could have got outside, started my car and just got in it and left, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that could have very well happened. He's just, he's just got stuff to do. The grind doesn't stop, dude. The grind doesn't stop for <laughs> any man, stop. let alone acid rain. Mark, don't stop. Grind, don't stop. You know, I got to get it. I'm slick enough to get money through the raindrops, son. You know what I'm saying? Slick enough to get money through the raindrops. That's oh. Lloyd Banks. Shout out Lloyd Banks. Shout out Lloyd Banks. It's been a minute. Yeah, straight up. Um, you guys are making me want to do some backflips. So I had a question for you. Where is Niso? The Hollywood All Star. I think he's he's in the comment section. He's in the comment section for sure. Probably 50, 60 miles from Hollywood. He last I heard lost his Instagram password can't get in and that's linked to his Facebook oh. and he does the phone thing through the changes the number every six program. months program yeah where, so yeah I think it's been He's six months I'm just so kind of waiting I'm in one of those limbo phases where I'm waiting for the new number Niso call to save in with the date and everything and kind of get an update should be happening any week here that's the guy we'll be throwing he'll hop in the trunk soon week has he been in the NAR no or even if he was, we wouldn't notice. He would take up no room. You had to. You could put him in one of the compartments on the bottom easily. <laughs> he would just be chilling. <laughs> so easily. You we, need to get, we need to be get, get him in the NAR for at least like a bear session. We yeah we so we're about to do Colorado for the next couple of days, and then almost because of the whole chemical spill, avoiding the Ohio and the water over there and the air and all that, super sketchy. So we're going to go straight south and kind of do, we've never done New Mexico. So we're going to do Colorado for a few days, go south, do New oh, Mexico, nice. and then go maybe even scoop up ease Mikey D's for a couple days in Arizona. Yeah, sun, sun Bowl? Yes. Snow Bowl? Ski Bowl? Snow Bowl. bowl? Snow bowl. Yeah, yeah. Snow Bowl? Like bowl. Um, and then I was trying, I was going to ask you if we wanted to do, it's like seven hours to bear from Snow Bowl, or it's like four or five to uh, Nevada has oh lee canyon in nevada lee canyon. Oh, that place looks fun so it's like do we do arizona then lee canyon then bear or do we skip that i think there was a bunch of stoke there i, I got there was that's the vegas spot right yeah that would be dope that'd be legendary look at the yo dale just wants to go to vegas. light up in his <laughs> eyes dude did you see his face right there <laughs> I got some people out there. We'll get them stoked up. Let's go. <laughs> Dale See, said, that's hold the tough up. Part. We're pulling up on Vegas. I got a guy. Yeah. That's the tough part with trying to map it out is like, who knows what happens when you go to Vegas? And we have this schedule for the next three, four, five, six days. We show up in Vegas. Someone's super stoked. Next thing you know, they're putting us up somewhere. Next thing you know, a rail jam pops up. Next thing you know, Dale disappears for 36 hours, pulls a Jamal I was three say, years ago. That's the most likely scenario is that you just lose Dale. And then, you know, then one date puts you all the way back on the rest of the dates. So you're like, how much do we want to commit? Squirrels and shiny objects everywhere. <laughs> ah! 
which which we've never done, and I think would just change the game so you much. You need to throw a you need to throw an air tag on Dale. Order a couple of air tags. Oh, dude, Jetbro tag. Well, he's got. We share I, locations I, I, on the phone, and he doesn't lose that phone. If he does, he's got another one. He's got two on him. Air he's, tag. True. On the, true. Ne- air tag necklace, bro. Instead of the Avo. That would be hard, actually. Oh, so yo, Avo, show that thing to the camera. Avo chains with built-in air tags, bro. I like That's the good. Avo chain. That's good. Did we get you any of those? We we got a super limited number. How's Dude, I'm back, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. For somebody who's been an OG C Vlogs member, I'm lacking on swag over here. I've got like a pair of shorts, couple tees, maybe. We got to go. I actually, Nicholas, I need a bro. sticker pack. True. You gotta get on the phone with Nicholas. <laughs> I'm trying to. Anything at this point. I, I'm in the mix he needs of a fresh soak pack. He needs everything, but I'm in the mix of trying to do like I'm at a point in my life where I've realized that you know there's the whole if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. Well, it's like if you do do it, you're going to have to do it every time. So mm. I'm kind of over that quote, and it's more like if you don't do it someone else is going to do it and then they're going to know how to do it. And now you don't have to anymore. So like, even with the podcast, that's why there was so such a delay in episodes is because I could have edited it in a day, but I was like, I need to figure out a way where Dale, what did, what did we just, what just happened? We have an absolute hero of a homie who just set up 10 lights, four cameras, all the mics dialed you in everything. Petter, huge shout out to Petter who did everything. We threw a, we threw a couple things in the background and we just walked into the room and it was done. And when we're here, we're walking out of the room. He's taking every SD card. He's going, he's editing the whole entire thing and sending a final project. And because I didn't do that last one, I found someone who could and he crushed it. And we worked together on like getting, you know, the, the podcast to be how we want. And that's like. And now it could actually get done. Now it can actually get done. Yeah. Well, you do run like five, four, three, five, six businesses. That's the thing. If, if you're motivated and you're trying to get stuff done, you can't do it all. You have to have the who's. Who, not how, baby. Who, not how. I'm trying and, to live by that book after that one. And you got to be the who. When your who's have who's, then you're really doing you. Ooh. <laughs> I'm saying. You definitely have to have like a, a seat up. At this point, you're running your own business. You're running multiple of your own businesses. You're a leader. If you're a leader, delegation is a huge part of being a leader. Like, They say if you want something done right, do it yourself is what you were referencing. But it's not just that you can have somebody else do it. You need to have the right person do it, which you have in Petter, you know, and you have in Nick. So it's like uh, you don't find uh, those guys easily. No, not at all. But you have to be willing to be patient and do it right yourself until you find the right person. Because if you find the wrong person, you're setting yourself back even more because you're going to let them do it for three weeks before you figure out that they suck at it. Then you're going to have to go back and fix it. And then you're going to have to do it for yourself again for another three weeks until you find the right person. So like you're better off just waiting it out, which you were patient with. You accepted the grind of doing things yourself six years until later. that right person showed up, you know, so many, so many things just went through my head. That was, that's true. Yep. 100%. He does have whole, an internal dialogue. This whole thing led back to you not having merch because I'm just trying to not ha- be the possessor and shipper and holder and everything of it. Cause then you also have to deal with the inventory and then you also have to deal with the customer service. And then the only problem is you lose that personal thing where they can't send me a message. Cause I don't have the merch in the message and say, Hey, can you sign this? But it's like, shoot me a message. I'll send you something personalized if that's what they want. 
because if we can have somebody streamline everything, then more people can get stuff and then you can just get your stuff. So literally I've just been like not doing anything, even shut all the stickers off on my website while we're on tour, which is crazy. Cause I'm trying to get everything over onto one page where there's a shipper, someone who ships that does it all. And it doesn't have to be us. Yeah. Or else people won't Starbucks. get their stuff. Then you don't know what happened. You didn't get the email. You didn't know what they ordered. What do you know about that Dale? Oh, it's the most stressful <laughs> thing to me. I maybe not even want to have a brand anymore. Crazy. It's literally crazy. That's why our merch lines are so few and far between because of that and us wanting to get the highest quality and the most like package for people's buck and get them stoked. And like, if we can't do that, then we just haven't been putting stuff out. But I'm pretty sure if this podcast is live, we do have, you love to hear it merch on CaseyWillax.com. We do have that some is live. overstoked narvi back, to, back the stoke. to the stoke shirts are going live couple tomorrow. different i love versions. the back to the stoke logo i love that oh and we have two yeah, different ones we got the rave vintage king. one and then we got the rave king one which is super two cartoony stoke ones yeah which one which one do the people like better if you guys have seen them check them out um we'll post them on like the instagram or the caseylux.com but the vintage one or the it's it was tough when we got them both we were like oh boy we are looking at two absolute dreams right here just parallel to each other and we're like whatever two different styles throwing both up but the podcast one came out fire the lo you love to hear it logo those hoodies and beanies Aren doesn't miss do you even have yeah, that, a boy i'm a huge fan huge fan of that logo when you need a you need a couple you need some we don't we all need some of that gear. i need, we all need some of that everything gear. i need we, it all excuse us we want let's let's if we're gonna do this podcast thing i'm claiming next winter we'll Thank have you legit legit stuff yes if we want to have better content and to show people what we're talking about then we will need them but at this point we just want them because they're sick yeah it is a want not a need wild thi hat right now that beanie is it's crazy do you see that can you see the beanie that i am wearing though perhaps blue ribbon do you know what this is it's a firefighter it looks is it a firefighter i thought it was a spitfire no it's a tailor Taylor pork roll. <laughs> it's a Taylor pork roll beanie that I okay. got in Jersey. Only only true New Jerseyans know about that. Wow. I say we jump into another uh, Patreon stoke here. We got this one is from Jake Williams. Jake. And he's claiming, yo, Casey, stoked I found you on Patreon. Big fan of the channel. Was hoping to get some insight on building out a killer morning routine. Journaling, breath work, movement, etc. Any help would be greatly appreciated. And I want Jamal to take this one from the top because he was telling me how early he wakes up and some of the stuff he does at an hour of the day that is ungodly and how and why he does it. And also Jamal is living a life like a lot of people that are watching are where he's a firefighter. He's got a family. He's got a cribby. He's got bills. He's got a lot of things that are super important. But taking care of yourself is the most important to do all those things proper. So let's Facts. let's hear some tips on your morning routine. Jamal, what time are we waking up and where are we going? Uh, my general wake up time is 5 a.m. Um, I've been trying to do a lot better about never hitting that snooze. You know, that Ooh. snooze is like that thing is the devil, man. It's I deserve it's, that extra hour, bro. Yeah, you I think I you deserve, think so. I work so hard. Dude, your now, girl's right there, bro. Like just, just like time with your girl's mad important, just, dude. Another three hours won't hurt. Your body needs it. Your body well, really I need needs this. it. <laughs> the 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 internal bitch kicks in <laughs> yeah there's two ways to look at this um 
First of all, I'll say that no matter what your routine is, set it up at the beginning so that it is already like that you're not conflicting your own life doing it. Like set it up as something that is it may take discipline and it may take, you know, some repetition, but don't kill yourself trying to set up a good routine for yourself because then you can kind of psych yourself out of it. If does that make sense what I'm trying to say there? Absolutely. Like, don't set something up that you know is going to be so difficult that you're going to be kicking yourself trying to do it every day. Like, you know, if you have more time to work out at 6 p.m., don't force yourself to work out at 5 a.m. You can stretch instead, you know, or like personally, I don't like working out right when I get up. I don't. It's just not ideal for me. I like to stretch, but I do not really like pushing it hard. I feel like I push it hard way better in the afternoon for me personally. So that being said, I get up, I usually go right to the tub. Uh, I do, I'm up to like three minutes right about now. I set my watch for three minutes. I get in, I do my three minutes. And then when I come out, I throw on a hoodie and sweats and I'll go stretch and roll out in, uh, and I have like a little home gym here. So I'll go stretch and roll out pretty much while my coffee is brewing. Oh, yeah. So I'm going. Yeah. I'll come in from the bath, throw the hoodie sweats on, get the water boiling, go start the stretch a little bit, go in, pour the water in, and I'll let that, because you notice how hard it is to let that French press sit sometimes. Yep. Like it can be difficult. So instead I leave it in the other room and I'm like, I'm going to go do my stretch routine while this French press is sitting, because then I'm also getting that 30-ish minutes of being awake before I have coffee, which is ideal. Crucial. I'm I'm just drinking water. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, the sunlight thing early is tough at this time of the year, obviously, because it's dark outside. But hopefully this summer, that'll be getting incorporated where I can get some fresh sun when I'm out of the tub. And I'm also on the the greens first thing in the morning, the greens powder in the water. So I'm enjoying the greens in the water while I do the stretch, while the French press is sitting. And then I'll go after I'm done my 15-ish minute stretch. I'll go, I'll take my vitamins and then I'll press the coffee and then I'll get my stuff ready for work and I'm out the door. But it's it's pretty simple routine and it it works for me. Like I know I like to get to work early. So by then I've already been up for, before I get to work, I've already been up for an hour. Like I'm, I have my wits about me. I've already got to think about what my goals are for the day. I've gotten to see how I feel that day. Like, oh, how are you feeling? What do you think maybe, are you going to do chest today? Does your chest hurt? Maybe not chest today. I've had time to think about all that before I have to get to work and deal with like real life, quote unquote, you know? So Absolutely. The hour is the minimum I found. If I think I'm going to wake up at seven and be out the door any earlier than eight and have gotten just the crucial things done, then I'm, I'm tripping. And that's what we were talking about when we tried to record that last podcast that we ended up bailing out on is setting a realistic goal. I do so often just make these wild goals that are like, dude, you get reward centers, you get chemical rewards in your brain for completing tasks. Doesn't matter how big they are. So if you set little ones, like you said, like realistic ones and knock them out, which is the whole theory behind making your bed. It's not about making your bed. It's about you, you've been up for 10 seconds. You already crushed something. You get a super confidence boost, which then I like what you said about waiting for the coffee because all this stuff that I'm about to even say is all like Dr. Huberman stuff. So you can hear it from a neurologist, like an absolute legend in the field, in the game. But adenosine, I believe it's called, is the thing that coffee blocks 
which is what makes you tired and it builds up throughout the entire day. So there's like some connection with if you wake up first, get sunlight in the eyes. That's let your body know through your brain, which is your eyes, that it needs to start releasing chemicals and hormones and stuff to get you going. You're an animal for getting in the bath right away because that raises your core temperature like crazy to make up for how cold the, the bath is. And then when you get out, you start to do the movement to warm yourself up. So it's like this flow of everything, the light, the cold, then the movement. Now the adenosine receptors have come on or, or have been blocked or, or, or haven't built up enough one of those, but there's not a lot of adenosine. So you're feeling the same way that you would if you had coffee. Damn. Because normally coffee would just block those. So then once you've already done that, that's why they say to wait an hour, wait a little bit longer in the morning to have your coffee. And then when you do, you won't crash because it's not just blocking, blocking, blocking. The coffee is just, you're supposed to have the adenosine build up. And then once it builds up throughout the day, that's what makes you tired at night, which is the crash. So having that like compounding thing where one thing that you're doing goes to the next one, goes to the next one. And while your coffee's brewing, you're getting that hour of light and cold and workout exposure and getting your body and your metabolism, everything going is just so crucial. And that it, there's no way you're going to get that done in under an hour. And you got to have some yeah. salt and some water. Big water before Huge. coffee. Don't forget that part. Nothing more important. It's in Aubrey Marcus's book. How much water do you drink before? Uh, I do water a 32 light. ounce mason jar. I have a, a full size mason jar that I do the water and the before greens powder coffee? in before coffee. Yeah. Oh. Have we gotten you any of the human tonic? No, I need that. Wow. Yeah, we gotta get. We're gonna make. Water. We'll make a list after this Ooh. pod today. We gotta of, get Jamal a yeah, fat yeah. background here because yeah, yeah, yeah. they they've been sporting, and that's like some of the densest greens that I've been able to find right now. So if you're doing those in the morning, then that's that's huge. Yeah, that's I've been green. using uh been using Jocko greens, but I'm 100 down. I said this on the last pod, but I'm always down to find something new if it's better, and I'm always down to just support somebody who has a relationship with the boys. Like you got to cultivate relationships and like. If they're growing, we're growing. Everybody's coming up, you know, 100%. Have you ever done the salt in the morning? Yeah, I, I was doing that a lot when we were still living together and traveling together, like a little lemon and Himalayan salt. Um, I still do that on occasion. I have quarter lemon. If I have the lemon, I'll do it. But I, I still do a pinch of salt in my water pretty often. Yeah, um, we do, I used to do the, I guess the science behind makes that makes the is, water more hydrating. Yeah. And you need, you need that to be able to hydrate, to absorb that water. You need those. And we used to do, I used to wake up and like, it's, I don't want to mix up too much factual stuff. if I don't have it dialed in, but like, as you get older, something with your blood pressure changes, I believe it goes really low when you're sleeping. And then when you wake up and you go to move, we're good at, we have cortisol that like spikes and it allows your your blood pressure to go up really quickly. And that's why, that's why you don't faint when you stand up really quickly. You don't get lightheaded and pass out like you do when you're older. And so when your body makes that cortisol spike to get you up, it requires a lot of energy from, I believe the adrenal glands. And if you like over exercise your adrenals, they get exhausted and you just get adrenal fatigue and you have no energy. So it's like, even if it's just like 3%, Imagine like your whole entire day, a th an extra 3% just from waking up and like before you even move or anything, having a nice Himalayan sea, sea salt grinder. I used to just grind like a teaspoon or whatever. 
trying to not like move it all and like smash it back. But now we've been, <laughs> we've been using the element packets, which are just so much easier and delicious. And like right in the morning, they have all they have the exact ratio. I used to just not even have a clue. I'm just grinding salt and like, this should be enough lemon. This yeah. should be enough the, there. They dialed us in super hard. Yeah. I will say that like my morning routine is, it's still a work in progress. Like the other thing is you can't be afraid is. to, yeah, you can't be afraid always to is. tweak things. You know what I Especially mean? Like, what 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 do you got going for for a daily routine, Dale? Huh? What's the daily routine? I can't get a routine. <laughs> That's a, my whole problem. Is, is say, say so you've been in Utah. You've been in Utah for three weeks. What's the routine? My routine? Oh yeah, the I'll morning. start getting a little shower. No, every three days. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the water with the salt is my first routine. Then a stretch before going to ride. Crucial. Getting the body warmed up is crucial. Nothing crazy, but I feel like I'm never anywhere long enough in this past year to really get a routine somewhere. That's what I was gonna say. You're you live somewhere. It's a dream. He knows how to have a routine anywhere. Cause I've been nowhere for 10, and I, 12 years. I have a hard time. Yeah. Nice. Um getting a routine on the road. Yeah. It ain't easy. At least you get your Z's. That though. was like mid-speech crack. Sorry, routine. He does get his Z's in. He gets his routine eight. I will take a nap right now. <laughs> yeah, yo, literally. <laughs> I'll, I'll be just back. Like I'll, be, that, I'll be back in five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually, speaking of back in five, can we just let Dale take a nap? I got a camera thing. I got to address real quick. You guys sound good. Good to be back. Are right, we good back? Good to in this? be back. Oh man, we are back in this. Guys. Woo, dude! So Yo, me and Dale, that was, good. that was a good nap. That was a good nap. <laughs> Feeling rested, bud? Got my five minutes on. So, yo, I wanted to bring this up to keep it on the snowboarding tip. Like we talked a lot about a lot of other things on the last podcast, but like we are still, especially since we got Dale in the building, and you guys are in Park City. I want to keep a lot of it to snowboarding. Did you see the clip of, um? I don't he might be a Park City local. I don't know how to say his last name correctly. Rob Ruthler? Ruthler like six five-ish black dude who rides for Burton. Rob oh, yeah, 100%. absolute monster. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry, Rob, in advance. Did you see the clip? Um Burton posted a clip of him that he had recorded a while ago. He's basically just riding selfie cell phone camera. Backflip. And does a backy and flips off the camera. And yes. Burton posted it and there were so many comments being like, oh, this is just rude. Oh, this is disrespectful to Jake Burton. And like people just talking like you can't pay too much attention to comment sections either way. But I needed to address this like, yo, I know some of you are new here, but this is snowboarding, dude. Like you can do whatever you want. You can have whatever style you want. You can do anything you want. And we started out not even even being allowed on certain mountains. We're still not allowed on some mountains. Like, yeah, of course, we're going to have a bit of a fuck you attitude. And like, if that fuck you attitude goes away, I don't want to snowboard anymore. There's a lot of new people that are entering into snowboarding that aren't core snowboarding that don't know any of that. And exactly. those are the Which people is that not are their fault. on that. That's not their fault, you know, but like, hey, man, do a little research, like know your history that you're dealing with here. Like Jake Burton and all the people who started snowboarding had to scratch tooth and nail to be able to get us onto mountains to begin with, you know, it's not disrespectful to his legacy that somebody's flipping somebody off. It's part of what the legacy is of snowboarding. 
Yeah, and like figure out what that even means. It's just a middle finger, just more of like a fuck. Yeah, I'm able to film and do a flip, and I don't care really about anything, including your whack ass comment about me not being respectable. Like irrelevant to you. There was no respect going on. He was just doing a bad. It's more just cool that you could do a flip and do a hand gesture and film it while you and get fucked. Like what are you? What are you talking about? It's like, dude, you guys. You guys spent all this time commenting on it when really he did that for you. It's like that that middle finger is for you if you're if you're upset about it. That's for you. Yes. Video blew up too. Love to see it. It did blow up. That dude is just shout out to him. Uh Rob, I'm not even gonna try to butcher your last name again, but that dude rips. He is a charger. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was funny. Like, you know, people just not acknowledging the history of it where like, dude, this is this is snowboarding. It started out as a bunch of punk rockers and, you know, guys that were like hip hop heads before hip hop was cool going out and doing skate tricks on the mountain on a plank of wood and like getting yelled at by skiers, telling them to go fuck themselves, getting yelled at by this person at the resort, telling them to go fuck themselves. Like, that's awesome. I respect that part of snowboarding so much. Like in a lot of ways, I wish there was more of it. Yeah more of it at least being seen because that's at every mountain for sure all of those who haven't left are just saying f you to every single person that they haven't known since they were growing up uh they're just not really putting out content about it that was good i like that one a lot now that yeah i really enjoyed that so shout out to rob man shout out to rob for keeping it core and for anybody who's just keeping it core and gene not and you know what like thanks uh, there's there's even some content that you make, Casey, that people are not going to consider it core. But like not everything you do has to be core. Like you can be a core snowboarder at your core. But like this is my job. I make content. So I make content for people who only do maybe ride seven days a year because somebody needs to make content for them. Yeah. Well, the core guys aren't supporting. So they can Yo. get fucked too. Like, And 90% of like the following that you're going to gain is from people watching stuff. That's not core. The only people who enjoy watching core stuff are core people. So if you're trying to bring core to the sport, which I am because at my core, I'm more core than all these guys who think I'm not core because I'm actually out here living and breathing in it. I am in the culture. I am at these small resorts. I am talking to the kids in person who can't afford passes, getting these kids passes. Like, But none of that will be able to, you won't be able to give that to the core. You won't be able to grow core and keep that alive if you don't have that following. So do the stuff that's going to get the people to you. And then once they're there, show them how it should be. Yep. Like you're one of the most core things. I hate to overuse this word at this point, but if you are a guy who's been snowboarding for 20 years, there's a lot of people that should be thanking you for making a terrain park etiquette video. Like you yell at people in the terrain park every day, like you're you're doing them a favor, Casey. You're doing them a favor by making a video on terrain park etiquette, so it's less people that you have to go yell at, or land on. They watch, yep. or land on, or hurt somebody. Yeah, or hurt yourself. You know. You know. You don't want that on you. You don't want to land on bodies. You also don't want to make the video enlightening these people about it. I got you, because I would love if there was less people that didn't know what was going on in the park. Yeah. Yeah. The core thing's funny. Like with videos trying to make it solid for the core people, but not to 
too kooky for him. Like it's a balance. It's a hundred percent balance. You got ten clips of me going. Oh, oh, That's where editing oh. comes in. But like mad people love that. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't see how much of it is going on. You know, I finesse the right amount in so that, you know what I mean? Everybody needs a daily in their group, right? Yeah. And you know what is another thing I think some people fail to acknowledge is that like, it's like course snowboarding doesn't necessarily pay the bills. Like Mount Snow, if you go there on a Saturday, 95% of the people at Mount Snow on a Saturday are weekend warriors, or maybe this is their only, their three times to get to ride this year. But who is actually going into the shop and buying boards that from brands that sponsor core riders? That guy. So like, hey, let that guy be, man. You don't have to call him a kook and bust his ball super bad because the industry doesn't run without the people who are there, you know, four or five days a year. They're the people who are buying product, putting that money back into the company so that company can put it back into the rider. Yep. You know, Your you have travel to remember budget. That. Your travel budget yeah. is coming from the people that you're yelling at or calling coops yeah. or whatever, like you're saying. It's definitely worth remembering. Like, you know, a lot of people just try to be so cool and it's like, okay, man, if that's part of your image or whatever, just like you can stay in your lane, but just try to remember that the people that you think are idiots out there, they're literally paying the bills. They're keeping the lights on. Yep. hundred percent. You know, doesn't mean you got to like them, but at least maybe show them some respect. You got to show them respect it's already so crowded anyways and you're not doing anything that day you know if you go into a, a weekend thinking that you're about to have an empty park day to yourself then it's like yeah, you're man. bringing that on yourself but if and you, you know can what actually... um, now that we now that i've now i'm fired up <laughs> now now i'm fired up because while we're on that note this also applies to everybody who moves to a ski town and lives there for two years three years and then on a Friday or Saturday, they're sitting there looking at a line of cars going, go home, man, go home. Like, bro, you're from Massachusetts. You lived there for 18 years. You're yeah. not home either. Like, and, and you work at the mountain. If they don't come here, you don't make any money. I don't, I don't understand where that you're not, you're not a local. You just got <laughs> here just like everybody else. Just cause you go to the local bar and the bartender knows your name does not make you a local. You weren't born here. Nope. It's real. Park City is only yeah. a handful of locals here. Really only a handful of locals anywhere. Most mountain towns, it's going to be mostly transplants, which is fine. Like everybody just stay in your lane. Be cool. Respect your fellow humans around you. We're all here to like, get You stoked. don't have to like everybody, but just be cool, man. We won't even right. dive I think into I, that. I think I'm so calm now. Oh, dude. Don't even... You know what? That's one of the reasons that I have so much respect for Ben Gravy because Gravy has done so much to add a positive outlook to surfing that has needed to be there for a long time. And you know me, Casey, I have my own opinions on like localism where I believe it is necessary in some ways, you know, but the overall resounding tone of surfing needed Ben Gravy. It needed some positivity for sure. Yeah, he brings a stoke in every shape, size, form. And I've seen him literally get in like brutal yelling battles or getting yelled at battle and just not only come up with the funniest, wittiest, most insanely oh, is... like just hilarious references to this exact time period, but like keeping it positive the whole time and like just 
explaining to them how much of all he's doing is bringing Stoke and that he has lived here and that he is a part of this culture. And he brings up information about spots and places and things that maybe homie yeah. didn't even know right there on the spot. And you're like, oh my God, he just took him to school in the kindest way ever. And it was like, if you got a problem, like I'm out there, like, why aren't you out there? Throw your wetsuit on, dude. Let's go catch some waves. Runs off. The guy's standing there in his jeans. Like, wow. I am a kook. <laughs> yeah, I was yelling at yep. this kid who's just stoking, and everybody around me is pumped. And on he's him. an excellent surfer. You know, like you're trying to tell this guy he's a kook. It's like name one person in Atlantic City or in the greater Atlantic City area or South Jersey. Name a person on the East Coast who's been getting barreled more than gravy in the past five years. Like. Rob Kelly, Sam Hammer, there's obviously mad legends out there, but Gravy's right there with all of them. Like, he's one of the best tube riders on the East Coast. There's no doubt about it. I like what he was saying about that, Ben Gravy, though. He's the re- one of the reasons he inspired you and me, because I just be stoked on the little things in snowboarding, bringing the stoke on flat resorts that have little bumps or like any, you might make the funnest out of any wave, any mountain, which is what 90% of people deal with. Mid little tiny resorts, melting early, not having crazy access to Jackson Hole. And just when we can put out content or Ben can put out content that's showing that it's two foot or it's there's three inches on the ground, like, and we're just having an absolute blast overstoking, oh, way too much screaming and hyping. Then it's like, that's why it's so relatable because they're like, well, boys, we weren't going to ride, but we just watched a sea vlog. It's 9 a.m. and raining out. We thought we weren't going to ride, but Daily and C-Dub were just out there riding and stoking and frothing, and we're throwing front flips like, let's throw the trash bags on, boys. We're getting out there regardless. Oh, that would be a good <laughs> yep. one. Yeah, you love that, man, because it's better than doing nothing that day. 100%. Like, how are you going to wake up and get unstoked and then do nothing? We want to you know? do, um, I want a Daily to run through an experience, a little story time real quick. We uh, were we had a good story. Good. Yeah, we were driving. We need some from, more Narvi uh, stories because we're in the middle of Narzi Narvi stories as we speak. Well, this was the Ranger. The Ranger. This was the Ranger. We drove. We had driven <laughs> up Ranger. from Florida to Connecticut, and we were trying to figure out if we wanted to make the final drive to Vermont. We didn't have anywhere to sleep in Connecticut, and I was like, once we get up there, we'll be able to figure it out. So we left at like midnight. Got up there at like two twenty in the morning. It was like middle the middle of the night. Front desk closed. We tried to find somewhere to sleep. Everything was closed. Lobby was closed. Didn't know. I was like, I felt like I was sleep. I was already sleeping in the Ranger two seater. Yeah, we were willing to pay, and we went to. I think it was maybe the inn, the the snow, one of the Mount Snow inns. Snow Lake Lodge. Yeah, near oh, the snow barn. And we went classic. in there trying to buy a room and nobody was there. And we looked up and down every hall. We couldn't figure out anything. And mm-hmm. we ended up just going into the back inside this hotel into a little lobby thing and found a nook to pass out in and just woke up surrounded by people. People. Getting People ready. were trying to check in, get out of there. <laughs> Chefs, breakfast. We were in the middle of a dining room area. And I was like, is this guy serious? I was like, where are we going to sleep? I was tripping on it. He's like, oh, just sleep in the lobby. We'll sleep in the lobby. We, we, you know, we didn't want to actually spend the money. And then because we did that, the next day when we woke up off four hours of sleep, went riding, we ended up scoring super hard. And the dude that was running Mount Snow Media ended up giving us two nights at the hotel, which is 
the opposite mint. of what we're normally so sleeping mint. in the car to couches to poaching you hotels hook hook, yeah. and then going to the opposite to having access to a spa and a resort and a hot tub and weights and a gym and it was just showed that like you put the work in, rough it for a little bit, and then you're going to end up getting blessed because of it and you saved a bunch of money. Or at least be willing to rough it. You got to be you know? willing. At- and you got to send it and you got to see where your experience takes you and where you're going to end up and roll with the flow and stoke where you stoke. And be super grateful when you do actually get a hookup like right now when we're just... Right now, we got a house with a heater. Daily had lights, a random Wi-Fi. booking cancellation. Running water. Just so happens that we're Random. in Utah, booked out for the entire season. And while we're here, like 10 days into the NAR tour, we got a three-day, four-day window to post up at the Cribbies. Yeah, and then we, we parked the NAR, what, two nights ago at Snowbird in an avalanche zone. We parked at 12. They woke us up at 2. And they said, hey, you can't park here. You can leave the vehicle here, but you can't sleep in the vehicle because that's where avalanches will fall into. And they're saying avalanches will Whoa. will cover could cover your RV. So just go sleep in the lobby if you need to. If you need to, go find a couch, go find a chair, a floor. Just don't sleep here. So about the boys, I was like, what? The and then we looked up in the in the morning, and there was like this huge mountain snowbird, and it's yeah. like, yeah. Well, we we didn't, really, we didn't sleep there. We ended up driving. You drove. With well, I ended up driving for- up the road to a bar. Find a little nook. Did you go in the bar? No, I wanted. I really wanted to. Did you have one? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we ended up moving, and then yeah, you go there to snowboard, and you're like, holy crap! Look, look around. You're just in the bottom of a 360 degree valley of steep. But we almost did, we almost did the lobby sleep again. That would have been so good. I feel like we're overdue on a nice lobby couch session. How about a breakdown on parking? When you're just driving around stoking, oh, whether man. you're in a van or a bus, yeah. I get that question so much. We're seven days in and we've done, I mean, every morning I wake up and I wake up and I'm like, welcome to Walmart. Welcome to Target. <laughs> welcome to, welcome to Sh- Sugar Bowl, Park City. Like we're, <laughs> wherever we wake up, that's my new favorite thing is we never know where we're going to end up, but you just go. And people always want to ask and they want like a definitive area. Like, yo, I know you've been in this area um, at Mammoth. Is there a spot? And it's like, there's no, first of all, if you figured you out a, a safe spot, spot, if you figured out a spot though, you're not telling anybody. I'm not telling you. Because you might tell someone else. And then if that spreads to 10 people and I show up to a dream nook that I found and it's taken because I was telling people. So it's like you got to have your own secrets that you can't just share with the world. But but Walmarts it, are huge. Walmarts are huge. Targets are huge. But it always ends up being like, where are we right now? How tired are we? Okay. Are we in an is avalanche an zone? Exit? Are we in an avalanche zone? Is there a <laughs> warehouse zone? Like, is there an industrial park? Is there, is, you know, look at the signs. It's all immediately relative to your exact situation. And it's all just like yeah. being witty and figuring out, look around you. Does it seem sketchy? Are there people walking around yelling stuff? You know what yeah. I mean? Or is it like a kind of a good zone? Industrial so, zones, commercial, like residential. Like uh, there's so many different, so many different nooks. And if you're just like, willing to send it a lot of people won't send it because they don't know where they're going to crash they don't even know like if they if there's a spot to park a car oh that's when you start thinking about the little things the before little things. you're even in there my buddy always told me you're going to kill yourself you're going to drive yourself crazy thinking about things that don't even be thought about because you're not there yet because you're not there yet and you haven't even don't met even the person it. who's going to hook to, you up go with to park something. city just go drive around drive around go on the hill 
If you're, you don't want to go ride because you're by yourself, go to the hill where people you'll ride. Now park. you'll meet people. You'll find people. That's you'll find people. You have to be. I met almost all my best friends. You have to be willing. That's something everybody should know about living it out of their vehicle or traveling out of their vehicle in general. You have to be willing to like make yourself available to whatever is going to happen because you're putting yourself in a scenario where you're not going to be in control of everything. Like if you're a person who likes to come home and have dinner at this hour and sit at this part of the table and put this on your TV and you have that, like that's what makes you comfortable. Maybe living in your car is not for you. Like it's becoming increasingly popular to be on the van life tip or in an RV or in your truck. It's becoming more popular, but you got to realize it's not for everybody. Like you have to be very, very like flexible, you know, like how many times when we were both living in the trucks and going to surf spots and stuff, did you get kicked out of a spot at two o'clock in the morning and you got to drive around and find it. Now, if that is going to like piss you off to the point where it ruins your whole night and ruins your day and ruins your sleep, maybe living in your truck is not for you, you know, but I would just get up and be like, all right, it's cool. Got to find another spot. And then you just cruise. So you find another spot, go back to bed. Like it's part of the adventure. Like you got to embrace it. But if you're not willing to do that, it's not going to go that easily for you. It might not be for you. They just see the glamour of waking up, kicking the van door open because that's all people (laughs) post. Like I woke up beachside, you know, and it's like, yeah, you did. But that's why I started the vlog because of that. I'm like, yo, fuck this Instagram. Uh One photo of the best shot of you in Paris. Like, let's really show what's going on on tour with KOG in Paris when I'm, you know, getting yelled at by people for parking in the streets and there's people, you know, trying to steal stuff off Negative of you and you're 20 out. Yeah. Your and you're broken. sleeping the on a little are, bed. You're in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> you're pissing in a bottle. <laughs> shit in a bottle. I swear to God, bro, me and TCAP, before the Mexico thing went through and we had water and stuff at that Mexico, the people thought that we bought property in a foreign country, that we were international <laughs> legends now. And like, I looked at TCAP, we had no plumbing, we had no water. We were shitting in bags and pissing in bottles That's in amazing. rooms by ourselves with no lights. Like, and I'm like, yo, yep. TCAP, dude, we made it, bro. <laughs> this is it. This, this is, is what dream. it's like to own property we're in your dream location we're taco dreaming (laughs) yo straight up like that on the on the instagram tip like you can see a picture posted of of a a chick who's got of a van that's decked out it's got a sink it's got all this blah 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 and maybe or maybe not that girl because it's so decked out but what you're seeing of somebody's glamorous van life how about the part where they woke up and had to take a shit at three in the morning oh yeah you never see the dishes get cleaned after the meal. Facts. Facts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. It's not all, but it, but it's the adventure that that's what makes it fun. And at the end of our crazy RV tour, we'll, we'll be like, remember that one time we shit in the bag and we froze and we almost <laughs> died. Look at what gets brought up the year later, five years later, 10 years, when you're telling stories, when you're the best part was sleeping in that freaking, that's always the ones that we tell. We always tell the story about when we drove 24 hours overnight to Florida. Most brutal thing we've ever done. Coldest we ever been in our lives. Negative 18 in Whole Foods. We tell that story every every day. We tell the story about waking up in that hotel. Yeah. It's so, I don't even remember the fun stuff. Yep. All right. (laughs) 
I feel like we should jump into I got one last uh, Patreon comment here. Um, Tyler Anderson. I th- believe I've already answered this or maybe done this in another podcast, but I feel like having your guys' take on this would be pretty good. And he said, how do you feel like staying away from the partying and alcohol influences, even among your friends, has helped you achieve your goals and helped you continue to grind? Oh. And this is a two-part. I'm going to let Jamal hit that first one because that's exactly where you're at in, in this shifting chapter in your life right now. Yeah. First of all, I wanted to clear something up. We talked about it on the last podcast and you were saying like my life definitely took off when I got clean. For the record, I'm not like totally sober. Like I still have drinks, but the level that I was partying at before was just a completely different story. So I just want to make sure because, you know, some people are very I don't want anybody to think like I'm out here living the sober life and then they see me out having a beer and they're like, this dude's out here drinking. Like, yeah, you might catch me having a beer every now and then. I'm not not in AA or anything. I just was partying way too hard and I had to figure out how to make how to hone it in, yeah, hone, you know, hone it all in. Yep. You, well, you didn't have a, a f- goals. You didn't have a, a, f- yeah. a, a light at the end of the tunnel that kept you like focused on that. So you, when that happens, you kind of just start looking for distractions and it's easy to just yep. start getting, Hey, who doesn't love a good freaking night out with the boys getting hammered? You end up, you know, like, you could do that every once in a while. I do. It like yeah, once you could do that. And yeah, so I don't know if I said clean or sober like that, but I just mean going from literally partying being a huge thing but a I, couple times a week to making sure that you're at the firehouse every single day yeah. taking care of your fam and stuff. You know what I mean? You're not just out here like trying to feel good all buzzed up off of some, you got real stuff going on. I think it's the biggest, yeah. drinking is the biggest battle in the snowboard ski towns there is. I go to these towns like Park City, I come here, it's the funnest thing in the world. You get trapped in this thing, all these amazing people that could have great success in the industry and you watch them just getting drunk every day so, and it's so sad so many heroes so many great people then so many you legends. stop all that and now all that energy goes to productivity and it's insane how much more you can get done when you're not partying when you're trying to get to your goals yeah you got to realize like if you have goals everything is time oriented like you got to put in time to get things done and if you're going to spend first of all you're going to spend I don't know, eight hours, nine hours physically at the bar. And then you're going to have to pay for those eight, nine hours the next day of being hungover, where even if you're like up and at them, you're not dead in bed hungover, you're not running at full capacity, you know? So like you're giving your time to the bar. You're there physically that night and then you're out of commission the next day. You're taking 10, 12, 14 hour chunks just out of your life that you're not getting back. You're not getting that time back, you know? It's a three-day yeah. thing. If you're going to drink one time, it's a three-day thing. That's why I call Park City broke hungover with blue balls. Oh, Missing a powder day. Oh, You always go out because you, you're single and you're like, maybe there's some girls out. Then all of a sudden, you're going out. You're buying drinks. You, you don't meet a girl. And you're like, oh, but you stoked out of your mind. And you wake up hungover, spend all your money. There's three feet out. It's two o'clock. I, I got to the resort and it closed. You didn't even get to the resort, but it closed if you would have. And now, you, two days later, now you're broke, hungover, blue balls. Mm. How many times does that happen to you? Oh, about 60 days of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah. Dude, I have definitely, like, in my life, whether it's surfing, snowboarding, um, 
any of my hobbies, really, I have so many times that I can think back to specifically where I had something that I wanted to go do and I got hammered the night before. And like, those are some of the only regrets that I actually have, you know, because it's like you didn't really get anything out of the night of drinking. All you did was miss out on something you actually wanted to do. And I can think back on a few of them specifically that were brutal. And then you're looking back on your homie's video from that day. And he was just out there getting it. The conditions were prime. And you're like, I yeah, laid in scoring. bed all day. They had the best, best oh. day of their life. You're at home just freaking dehydrated. No salt. You know, to some move. extent, I think everybody needs to go through that. Everybody needs to go out one night and miss out on something sick. So that hopefully you have that feeling and you don't want it to happen to you again. You know, you need to go out and get hammered and then miss out on a prime pal day at least one time in your life so that, you know, like, I'll, man, I, I'll do it right now. You understand it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I'll do it right now. Well, if you were here, you could convince me. I guarantee it. Oh, 100 percent. It's not even a, a guarantee that it won't happen tonight, even after this conversation. <laughs> The I got night three is young, people ready to come pick me up. I feel like there's always something going on in ski town. There's someone's always trying to cat get you. And when you're crushing stuff, come like on, the, the, you your finish boys this work podcast there, up, there's free drinks. No, well, you're gonna finish the podcast up, and you're gonna be all like, "Wow, we just crushed that!" Wow, like, we, I deserve I'm ready this. for a cold one. Yeah, kick back, feed up. When really, the grind hasn't even started. The upload hasn't even started. The editing hasn't even started. But he, homie had a, a second part to this, which led into saying so like with the partying and the grind and all that and how do you think that that helped you achieve your goals at what point did you realize that you could vlog shred do what you love every day and not have to worry about getting a job and relatively steady income now i want to let either one of you cover that from the outside perspective of me thanks for asking that question yeah nice nice. and um honestly i want to see your guys's response of focusing on the part of not having to get a, a, a job a, a, and relatively steady income. Well, the most successful people I know that their first step was cutting out the drinking right off the rip because they just not wait no more downtime because to be successful, you got to always be a step ahead of the curve, always on the grind, nonstop work, nonstop gr- hustling. And when me and Jamal started, but you guys, you take it to a whole, well, we left it's, California it's way deeper than all that with the goal of, doing a video every single day mm-hmm. and to think that isn't a job, you know what I mean? The wording and the phrasing of that yes. can be mad confusing when you're a kid and you just see the final product and you don't understand that. I always say this, like I am my alarm clock. I tell myself when I'm off the shift that night and what time I should be there the next morning and the option to call it at any point in time and sleep in the next day is there. So it's the discipline of me doing that. And I feel like not partying and waking up with that energy and surrounding yourself with people that are also doing the same thing, surrounding yourself with killers makes you always want to be competing with the people that are just crushing it around you. And you have the energy to do that. But the job thing, when I realized that there was literally a moment and it was when I got monetized in Vermont in 2018 when we were living mm-hmm. in Westover yeah. and I, I saw whatever it was like a dollar uh a dollar a month or something or ten dollars a month and like just the amount of views that we were getting was just so low compared to what I knew that we could get to and so 
just doing the math, like, okay, if we're here right now and they're already giving me 10 bucks, like what would it take to get 10 bucks a day? And at that point we were living super humbly in the back of a Ranger insurance paid off for the year, you know, East coast gas prices, zero bills, straight talk, mobile plan, 50 bucks a month, like nothing to pay for. I was like, I could actually, I calculated it all out. I'm like, I could live off 10 bucks a day because I paid for my rent and I paid for all that stuff up front already. It wouldn't really take that much crazy growth to sustain myself and not have to get a, a steady job and relative income because of the way that I'm living. So it's like, it, it all depends on how humble you want to go and how much you need in your life to be happy. But the the work thing is like, once you take it into your own hands, it, it, it 10X is how much work you have to do. Cause it's like, you just, as soon as you, you tap, you, you disappear from it for a little while and you think like, you don't really need, it doesn't really require that much. And then like after your break, you come back and you're like, oh, there's an infinite amount of things that could get done. If it's growth is the option, like there is no time. Like I could work straight through the night if humans didn't sleep and, and be stressing over how much stuff I would like to get done. So it's, yeah, uh, it's a long I think haul. I definitely, I noticed a, a definite shift for you around that time, that same winter in Vermont, like I remember you getting monetized and I remember you realizing and, and budgeting that you could do it. And I remember there being a shift for you that like you took it to another level once you realized what was there. Like you saw that ability to live off of it and you were like, okay, I can just cruise at the level I'm at right now, but you wanted growth. So you ramped it up even more. And I mean, at that point you were still going videos every day. Um, but the one backyard snowboard video that you had went big. One of the ones from that season. Um, and I think that really like you're a self-starter anyway, you're, you know, a self-motivated person, but I think getting to see that video, I think it broke like a hundred K or something, I think, but, um, yeah, it was, it was whatever one. Yeah. Cause DW, you had the torch out front in the beginning and DW had the slow-mo on it and all that. Um, yep. And Jake Paul had just happened to have the winter prior a viral video go with the backyard. And there was like the thing like re-sparked over the winter and mine was similarly titled. I didn't even know about it. So the combo of D-Dub and the edit and the backyard and the post and Jake Paul was, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then that gives you a little spark of vision of what could be. And you're that gets the ball really rolling. Like, okay, what if we did a bunch of these? Look, there's actually some, some actual stoke here that we could start maybe maybe I pay D dub like what maybe I could pay somebody else to help me with some filming and editing it becomes a yeah feasible goal that you can like tangibly see that's so rad I think that yeah the drinking too has a lot of people to people all handle it different oh, for for personalities sure. who who your parents are for sure so many factors some people go too hard some people can't have a beer and enjoy it yep yeah man well, uh, it's you got to find your level and you got to find out what works for you. It's the same thing we were saying about like the morning routine. Like you got to find out what works for you and what is going to set you up. Like what's going to put you in a good position, but also what do you enjoy? Because I don't believe this is my personal philosophy, but I don't believe in always taking away every, like stripping everything from your life that you actually do enjoy. We're still on the planet for a finite amount of time. Like if you can get what you need to get done and you do like drinking beer, you can have beers, man. Like if you're in control of that, there's nothing that says that you can't, you know, you have to find out what Love works that. for you. Everybody's different. We all know that, but like, don't put too much stress on yourself trying to eliminate things, put stress on yourself, 
trying to figure out what does work for you and like highlight those things, you know, hundred percent. There you go. 100%. Yeah. I almost, you were there when I, I think I've quit drinking permanently just like everybody else multiple times for the rest of my life. Yeah. Usually after you have alcohol poisoning. (laughs) Yeah. And never doing this again, never doing it again. And I've publicly stated and I'm super on it. I think after that video in 20, uh, with, with Shano, was it 20, 2019, I was claiming never again for the rest of my life. And I went 18 months and then you start to have those weird little moments where you're like, maybe, maybe I should like, Oh, this would be a good time. Or like, you know, all of the situations present themselves. And like you said, the elimination thing can almost eat you up and be worse for you than the night of drinking. Even if you get alcohol poisoning. So like, of course on the podcast, we're trying to keep everything real in a hundred. Um, I've already said it in one podcast, but two years I went clean after that day. And it was just so heavily in the back of my head that like maybe one time wouldn't be bad. Like what if I want to pick it up in the future and I I can't because my body's like resistant to it now. What if I can't, you know, I can't have a beer down the road when my, what if I have a kid and I want to have a beer with my, you know what I mean? I can't because my body forgot alcohol for 20 years. And like, I never had an actual, it's, it's not like an alcohol problem. I just had goals that wasn't fitting it. I messed up, punished myself two years, no booze. And then when we were in Cabo yacht, so many beautiful human beings, free liquor, Cabo. Yeah. You guys were getting tacos. Perfect weather. No, no. Dale was getting every day for mad long. Our buddy won the competition for the entire Cabo Classico. Everything was lined up. And then, so I was like, we had to celebrate with them. Yeah. We're going to give, we're going to give, give it a night. We'll give it a go. And I ended up drinking was so conscious of the way that I was doing it with the hydration stuff and the charcoal and the glutathione and the making sure that I had water in between. It was like, it was almost like this intense thing that I was doing to see if I could handle myself and not do what I did two years ago. And dude, I crushed it. Like went home at a reasonable time. Wasn't like wildly blacked out drunk. Just had a good time with the boys. Like it got (laughs) wild obviously, but I wasn't sloppy. And then the next day kind of looking back at it, realized because I had a stomach ache and these guys were all messed up. And it was like the other mornings I was waking up at 6am and going and hitting the gym and then just looking proper. And then this morning I was just so exhausted, dehydrated, felt like crap, didn't get an edit out, didn't work out, was inflamed, sloppy. And I'm just like, dude, I'm good. Like I'll go another six months, maybe eight months, maybe when the time's right, maybe when there's a glass of wine and I'm in Japan, like it took away such a burden that was overhanging of me of like, it's been two years. Like you're sober. Like you were saying, you don't want to put that off as like, you have some problem or like you're some like super restrictive person. And so I think I went, that was Cabo probably 10 months. And then the other day, literally before we left for the Narvi tour, it was, I haven't drank since Cabo. It was like probably 10 months. And like, let's enjoy a beer. We were cruising around on the Hemiways. We had, ju- we had done we ice plunges. We worked out. It was sunny. But here, you know, I've said, remember, literally said this in the last podcast. It's beautiful. There's like all these reasons. Just like it hammered, bro. Uh-huh. So I was like, I've never even been to a bar in the town I live in. I've lived in here five years. I've never been out and trucky one time. So we went to the bar. Oh, you go to people club? everywhere. Dancing. We, vibe. Burgers, we, we did a whole, RMU. Not only was it so set up. Our like roommate drove them, by us on the Hemiways as I was like, should we get a gold one? And he's like, yeah. Our roommate drove by and was like, yo, where are you guys going? We're going to this bar where the other roommate's at. Like, come through. And so we, next thing you know, we're hot lapping Chucky. Just like hot lapping, a little bro. shot, a little Bar's beer. Nice. Four or five drinks probably throughout like a seven hour period through the night. Go home. I felt love four times. Threw up. Puking <laughs> in my bed. Spinning. 
not in my bed. Uh, like it was, I, I wasn't sloppy. I wasn't yeah, wild, yeah. but I was like, my body was just like, yo, what are, what are you doing with five mixed drinks out of nowhere? Puked, felt amazing. But then the whole next day, trashed. We were supposed to leave. Couldn't even end up set leaving the next day. Three days. Set us back three days. Set, set the whole entire tour yeah. back three days from like one, one drink. But it was like, when you do that, it reminds you of why you don't do that. And it's so much easier when you get that temptation to be like, do do I want that? Or, or do I want to do what exactly just happened six months ago? Like I've been crushing it. So I feel like that little balance is just so important. And when you're in tune with that and when you know it and you're not just going off of like, oh, my boy's getting drunk tonight and they invited me. So I'm gonna, it's like, what are your real goals at the end of the day? What have you told yourself? How long has it been? Is it worth it? Yeah. A big part of the drinking to me, especially in a ski town is like, can you just be your own person? You know, it's so easy to fall into a scene. You know, there's a scene yep. of people who are going out, they go to this bar on Mondays, this bar on Tuesdays, this bar on Wednesdays. You feel like you just got to show face or that you need to be out to be part of the in crowd. It's like, if that's not, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. I did it for years, you know, and I enjoyed it. So like, I'm not saying not to do it. If that's what you want to do, yep, do it same. and enjoy it. But like, you have to be willing to be your own person and just be, to be able to say, nah, I'm good. It, that's all it is. It takes one time of you just saying, nah, I'm good, man. I'm all set. And if you're not around people that can respect that, maybe you need to reevaluate who you're around. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, you got to reevaluate instantly. Well, and if you yeah, want to go out, you don't have to go. I go out all the time and don't drink. I'll go out and drink seltzer waters. And- all the time. Love it. Some type of energy thing that goes on when you're drink when you're the only one sober. You get some weird type of energy where you're running around and bouncing. It's off even people better. Like, sometimes it's even better. It really is. And if you can and fake a it, a dollar and- for every sel- seltzer water. Eight seltzer waters later, eight dollars. That would have been hundred and twenty dollars. Oh, yeah. Let's not get even. See, Do you remember when we uh, complaining about when we did seventy five hard? Part of the reason that I even did that is because I th- we were in the garage at the Huntington Beach house, and. Mm-hmm we brought up 75 hard and you were like detailing what it takes, like what the, what the steps are of it. And when I said like, Oh, maybe I would do that. I forget who it was, but one of the boys was like, you're not going to drink for 75 days. Yeah. Right. And I immediately was just like, what did you just say? Like I felt so attacked as a person that whoever said it thought that I was so out of control of myself that I couldn't drink for 75 days. I was like, hold my beer, watch this. Because Literally, I, I hold was my beer more, for 75 days. Yeah. I was more offended. Like I was offended personally that this person thought I had that little amount of self-control. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, first of all, if they're thinking that, obviously you've given them some type of ammo to think that. So maybe yeah. you do need 75 days to figure it out. You know? Maybe. And that was, 75 days was, was huge for me. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All right. That was well, huge. we are um we're running up on two hours here and I actually have to get on the phone with Nicholas to try to solidify these designs for the merch when this, when this drops so we can actually have some stoke for what we said earlier. So Jamal, cool. I still have 50, God. I still have 50 burpees to do do tonight. <laughs> I haven't done my, my, I'm doing, I've been doing 50 burpees a day for the whole year so far. Um, we're going all the way till December 31st. We're, we're going straight through me and a couple of guys from Jersey. Um, we got a little group chat going for accountability. So I've been doing my 50 burpees a day, but I haven't done them yet because I was on the road this morning and it's what <laughs> now 9.07 PM here. And I will be going to do my 50 burpees after this. So I got to get out of here too. Hell yeah. You're a legend. Well, inspiring us all. Thank you, Jamal. So good seeing you. 
See you in a, in a couple Man. days here. We got we got I another see one you coming in person, soon, dude. Uh, and I'm gonna call you soon for a nice life talk, life talks, life sessions with C Dub and Jamal. This is the dream. Real quick, we need before, more we sh- of this. before we shut this down, we are gonna have daily read four Patreon names and just say thank you. This is always great I'm watching daily read a name. <laughs> oh god, Patreon names. Who are we thanking? Evan Kent just became a Patreon member. Evan, this guy probably stokes. He probably slides. He's probably has a jet bro. Jake <laughs> Williams just became $50 Patreon member. Jake. Shout out. My like, guy. Woo, Jake bro. <laughs> Jake bro. Pat Marchand. Marchand. Legend. I like Pat. Thank you, Pat. At gmail.com. Adrian Adrian Jackson Jet Bro That's number four We appreciate you guys' support on Patreon for sure If anybody drops any messages or comments over there We will break them out in the vlog In the the, um, Excuse me, we'll break them out in the podcast Yeah, and thank you to everybody For supporting the pod And gotten major love on episode 11 the first one with me and C-Dub together, and we're going to keep them going. So we appreciate the love, y'all. Keep them going. You guys both got good insights on a lot of Stoke in life, and we're trying to bring more Stoke. So you guys keep this. You love to hear it, because we really do love to hear it. You absolutely you do. You absolutely love do. You love to be about it. You love to have Petter edit it. Thank you, Doggy. Petter, thank you. See you guys in the next one. Much love. Jack Jack you.